0: I am Pastor Corrine of Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at AndersonFirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message.
1: Today's scripture reading comes from Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 1 through 15. Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from their sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders." So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. When Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone uh, gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is given out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them, and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families, with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies are heard that we were aware of their plot and that God has frustrated it, we will be returned to the wall, each to our own work.
0: Jay Walker, the founder of Priceline.com, and just as an aside, I think his parents had to have a great sense of humor naming him Jay Walker. Think about that. <laughs> but he is the founder of Priceline.com, and if any of you aren't familiar with that, that is a travel booking company that you, you use online uh, to book all kinds of different travel Uh, Events and lodging and transportation and that type of thing. So, um, he, when he founded this corporation, after the corporation was worth about $400,000, which in the corporate world, that's not very much, he hired a top tier CEO which means in the business world, that's one of the very best leaders in the business world. And he hired him on, and sure enough, within the past 10 years, Priceline.com, their stock, has increased 7,000%. Incredible, isn't it? His motto is to live as if you truly believe your future will be fulfilled. Live as if you truly believe your future that you envision will be fulfilled. happened for him. That actually, as we honor our veterans... During this time of Veterans Day awareness, we do also look to them because the veterans, the military, that is why the military exists. The future. The military is not about defending the past, but enabling our future. That's why they exist. To allow us to have the future that we believe, that we believe in. That we look forward to. To allow that to happen the way that we as a country envision it happening. It's why they exist. And do you know there's also research, there's a Harvard psychologist named David Gilbert, who recently did research and published this in his research, declaring that human beings are the only ones who plan for the future, who see their future. More than just a few moments ahead of them, human beings plan for the future. In fact, in the research, he discovered that about 12% Of our day is spent thinking about our future. And if you average that out, that's about one hour in every eight hours we're thinking about it. Every day. It's important to us. And we hear this morning in our scripture, it was important to a man named Nehemiah. The future was important to Nehemiah. Now, who in the world is Nehemiah? Other than the name in scripture, we have a book named after him, his story, and the scripture that we heard this morning from Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a person that was given the title of governor of Judah, which at the time, about 445 BC, that title carried a big burden with it because you see, the people from Judah at that time were in captivity. They were part of the Persian Empire. They actually lived about 900 miles away from Jerusalem. So when Nehemiah understood what had happened in Jerusalem many, many years prior, and that, that the wall had been destroyed, that God's temple had been destroyed. He wanted to go back, and he wanted to rebuild God's city. Rebuild Jerusalem, and that would begin by fortifying, rebuilding the wall around the old city, as we call it today the city of Jerusalem. And so he got permission from the Persian emperor to do that, and that was, uh, by the way, Persia doesn't exist today. We know it as Iraq. So Nehemiah traveled the 900 miles with those others from Judah, and their whole motivation was to go and rebuild the wall in a place they'd really not lived, in order to glorify God, to rebuild the wall to glorify God. And so they traveled there, and they did. They rebuilt the wall. They were successful. In fact, they rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Now, to give you a little perspective, there are 51 days from today to our new year. That's how long it took them to rebuild this wall. And how did they do it? First of all, they did it with teamwork. They worked together on this. And again, we can look to our military because teamwork is something that's advocated, that's, that's taught, that's practiced in the military. Understanding that our culture says you can do it yourself, but we actually learn how to depend on others. And in the military, that can be life or death. Spiritually in the church, it could be life or death. Learning how to depend, how to work with other Christians. How to be a part of God's body of Christ. That's what we're all about too. But they used teamwork to build the wall. There was something everyone could do. Everybody could participate. And they did. They brought the gifts that they have and everyone used what they could do to help build. And also the work was voluntary not one of those that traveled the 900 miles and went to, back to Jerusalem, not one of them was paid. Not one of them got anything in return for the work that they gave of themselves. It was completely voluntary. They were not coerced. Their only motivation was to glorify God. To go back. To build God's place. To glorify God. And they did this. They, they built in 52 days. They built a wall that was two and a half miles long. It was an average of 40 feet high. And the wall itself was about 8 feet wide. And if that's not enough, in the wall, they also had to orchestrate ele- ten gates. In Nehemiah's time, there were ten gates in the wall so that traffic could go in and out of the city. Now, that is remarkable enough. If they'd done that in just kind of a bubble to be able to travel To come to this place, but they were receiving opposition from all sides. We heard the Samaritans were coming from the north. We have um, Ashbod who came from the west, we have the Ammonites who were coming from the east, and then we had from the south the Arabs. And the reason that they were all interested in this area, the reason that they were opposing the building of the walls, because they'd been using the space. They didn't want it reclaimed by the Israel people. They were very content to have it open and well. And so the opposition began to occur on every side with just mockery. Ah, you can't do that. You can't build a wall. You can't rebuild it. And then they began to threaten the people. And then the opposition became attacks on the people. It continued to escalate. And that wasn't all. The people also were subjected to their own frustration. You see, the wall had been torn down, and so there was rubble everywhere, which hadn't bothered the people originally. They just had continued to move it out of the way and start to rebuild. Most of them rebuilt near where they were living, a part of the whole And that had not frustrated them until it was pointed out to them by their enemies. Hey, there's a whole lot of rubble there that you've got to move. That's got to be horrible and so on and so forth. And they became very, very frustrated. They hadn't noticed the rubble before. Not to the extent that they did now and it was just like insurmountable. There was so much it felt overwhelming. And then there was fear. You see, the Jewish people, once the the threats and the opposition began to escalate, they became afraid. And later in Nehemiah, we hear that the Jews came to him ten times. Now, ten is not so significant other than it was that important, that intense. They were afraid. And they needed Nehemiah to do something about it. They were scared, and their fear was overtaking them. Have you ever heard the phrase, hit the wall? You might have even used it. Just those times where you feel like you've hit the wall. Athletes claim that term regularly, especially those who run marathons. Talk about hitting a wall about five miles before the finish line. And it's a physical reaction where they just cannot move any further. Their bodies just have had enough from being dehydrated and food used up. Their energy has gone and they just can't push forward. We can spiritually hit the wall, and that's what was happening to the people around Nehemiah. They hit a spiritual wall, and that wall meant that they had to they were they were just stopped. They just couldn't move beyond it. That's what the ten times represents. They were totally overwhelmed and didn't know what to do or where to turn paralyzed into place. Now, when athletes, or even in the military, when they talk about hitting the wall, they take care of themselves physically. It need, you need rest. You need food and hydration, water. And the other thing that the military advocates is when you hit the the wall, you depend on others. And you see, those are the same things that Nehemiah said. You need to spiritually be fed. Feed yourself. Make sure that your focus is on the right things and not on your enemy. Not on the rubble. Not on the attack but that you focus on God, you focus on what we're doing here. That was Nia's Maya's advice to them. Now folks, rebuilding is not foreign to you as a church. You've done it. You experienced a tragedy here when this was lost by fire. And you rallied and you rebuilt. Not for yourself, but to glorify God so that this place could be a place, a beacon in the community where people would know that this is where God is worshipped. This is where God speaks. This is where you can come to encounter those who have experienced God in their lives. It's a place to glorify God. You've done it. It may be time to rebuild again. Think about that. It may not be bricks and mortar, but it may be time for First United Methodist Church to rebuild again, that we may glorify God that people in the community know that this is a place where they can come to encounter people who know Jesus Christ and they too can encounter. And we will receive the opposition that's out there. It's not easy if we learn anything from this passage is that it's not easily done. Rebuilding's not a task for the faint in heart or the overwhelmed or the paralyzed. It's a task for those who trust God. Nehemiah says, pray, pray, pray. Connect to God. Depend on God's strength, not your own. Check your motives. Make sure that you're doing what you're doing for the right reasons. And trust God. Trust God who has called you here. We're going to hear this morning from Frank Kramer. Frank is a veteran, and he's going to share with us how in times of opposition and frustration and fatigue during war, that he continued to encounter God, Frank.
2: I want to thank you for the opportunity to do this, Kareem, wow. and for uh, and I'm grateful that I was chosen to represent the veterans of this church. Uh, it was a long time ago. I was just a little boy at 17. Uh, I was a senior in high school, and the Korean War was on, and I felt a call to become a minister at that time, yet the war was on. I said, well, I'm going to the Navy first. I said, if you think I'm going to put 50 pounds on my back and walk and eat and sleep in the mud, eat out 10 cans, you're crazy when I get on that ship and just ride along and eat every meal and shower every night and all those sort of things. I didn't think too much more about it until I went to boot camp. And I didn't think too much about that as just a new experience. And I would talk to one of my friends in boot camp that I intended to become a minister later in life. And he said, well, I think we need to have you pray every night here in our camp. And nobody else would, so he said, you're it. And so every night during boot camp, as the time the lights were being turned out, I would read a piece of scripture and then give a prayer, and that was it. And I didn't think that. Well, I thought that would be the end of it. And then I was assigned to an ammunition ship, the USS Great Sitkin. Now, we carried 4,000 tons of ammunition. And that's kind of scary to a lot of people, but not me. I was too young. (laughs) At any rate, so I go on board that ship. And they didn't have a chaplain on that ship. Now, here I am again at 17, giving little sermonettes on Sunday during during while I was on that ship. And then, of course, it went on from there, but uh, I'm just so grateful that I had the opportunity to serve our country in the United States Navy. And I know each of you who are veterans here today have the same feeling of gratefulness that you had the opportunity to be a part of your country's military. And I thank you for the opportunity to share my time with you. Thank you.